Turn, if you would, this evening to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful again to be in your house tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I pray that you would help us tonight to be reminded of a very needed truth. God, that you'd help us to apply it to our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, you may remember, Brother uh, Micah Reisner was here with his wife and uh, kids, and they presented their field of Moscow, Russia to us. And uh, I thought the service last week was a real blessing. And that being said, it did interrupt our study of the life of Joseph. And so it's been two weeks since we've been in our study of Joseph. And I would suspect in that time frame, uh, some of the details have gone a little bit fuzzy in your mind. So I want to remind you just real quick as to what we have been talking about and what we've been looking at. You will remember, hopefully, that Joseph is in a dungeon right now, according to the scripture, because of an accusation that was brought against him, a false accusation against the wife of Potiphar. And we know that Joseph was not enjoying his time there in the dungeon or there in the prison. At the same time, the chief butler and the chief baker of Potiphar was also put into the same uh, dungeon there, and they had dreams that uh, Joseph was able to interpret for them. You'll remember that the baker was told he was going to die, and the butler was told that he was going to be restored. And sure enough, just as uh, Joseph said, uh, those dreams came true. And you'll remember that Joseph said to the butler, when you get restored to your position, please put in a good word for, the, for me to the king. And uh, Joseph was hopeful that somehow through all these events, that he could be freed and that he could go back home. And we know that the butler forgot Joseph. And as we were talking about this two weeks ago, I said there is no way in the world that this is how Joseph would have scripted his life. This is not what Joseph wanted. This is not what Joseph would have ever dreamed of. And yet in all of this, God was working a master plan and he was arranging everything that needed to take place in Joseph's life for his promotion one day. And so I tried to remind us, as though you needed me to remind you, that sometimes life can be discouraging. Sometimes life can be frustrating. Sometimes life can be filled with disappointments. And sometimes it is hard to be patient and trust that God knows what he's doing. But we have to remind ourselves that God knows exactly what he's doing. He is working everything out for our good so long as we walk in obedience to him and we have to give him time to work. And so that's what we talked about last week, and obviously this evening we're going to continue on. But tonight I want to begin with just a thought, and the thought would be simple in this regard, that every one of us know that we have limitations. Every one of us know that we have limitations. If I were to uh, stand before you this evening and ask any of you men to bench press 500 pounds... I think most of you would say, I probably shouldn't try tonight. Is, is that how you would feel? Uh, I, I would trust, or I would hope, rather, that uh, you would bypass that opportunity. And uh, ladies, I don't know what your limitations would be because you all are pretty amazing ladies, okay? Did that score me some brownie points? Okay, I don't know what your limitations would be uh, because you all are fantastic. But every one of us have limitations, and we don't mind admitting we have those limitations. But let me ask you this, because I, I'm beginning to be on the verge of this, okay? How many of us 
remember being able to do certain things that today we're no longer able to do. You know, you can remember the time when you used to could do certain things. There were certain times that if you were challenged or there were certain stages in your life where if you were challenged to do certain things, you would readily step up to that challenge and you would say, bring it on, I'm ready for it. But now as you look at your life and now as you look at the stage of life that you're in, you, you just have to be honest and say, you know what, there are just some things that, that I am no longer able to do. There are just some things that I am no longer able to perform. And, and I don't know about you. Now, now let's listen. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me it is frustrating when I have to admit that I am incapable of doing certain things. This week I tried to play basketball with some 15, 16, 17-year-old boys. And you just don't realize how slow you are until you start running around with some 15, 16, 17-year-old boys and, and you realize you don't even need to try to jump because it could hurt just landing from like an inch and a half off the ground. You know, it's like, wow, I just jarred something. You know what I'm talking about? It is frustrating sometimes for your mind to think, I should be able to, but to know that you can't. And so this evening we're going to deal with that principle, to deal with that thought uh, in the next few moments. I want us to look in verse number 1 of chapter 41. Chapter, one of verse four, uh, chapter 41, verse number 1, it says, and it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Now here's what we know. Two years after Joseph has interpreted the dream for the butler and the baker, two years after that taking place, it says in verse number one that Pharaoh dreamed, and, he be, and, be, uh, and behold, he stood by the river. So here is Pharaoh, and he has had this dream, and as you read through the text, here's what you discover is that the dreams are told to us about the cows and about the ears of corn, and, and, and we understand what the dreams are, and because we have the scripture given to us, we know what the interpretation of those dreams would be. But Pharaoh, when he dreamed those dreams, he had no idea what they meant, but he believed them to be very important, and he believed them to be very significant. Now, as we think about that, I want us to think about Joseph. At this point in Joseph's life, there are a couple of things that are very true that I want us to think about. The first one is this, is if Joseph knows anything, he knows dreams. You remember this? Because whenever we're introduced to Joseph, it's right after we're introduced to him, he had the two dreams himself about how God was going to one day promote him to a position of greatness. And so even at age 17, Joseph would, was given these wonderful dreams by the Lord as to what would one day happen. Now, again, Joseph didn't know exactly how all of it was going to play out. He didn't know exactly how everything was going to take place. But Joseph had these dreams and he had these visions that God was going to do something great in his life. And then, of course, we know from the recent sermons that the butler and the baker had their dreams. And we know that God used Joseph to interpret those dreams. And so here is a man who, at the age of 30, he has some experience with dreams that are significant in nature. 
Now, as we think about that, I want us to think about this as well, that for the entire time that Joseph has been in Egypt as a slave or in bondage, Joseph has wanted nothing more than to be set free and to be able to go home. That is Joseph's dream, that is Joseph's desire, that is Joseph's want, while he has tried his best to make the best of the situation, at no point can we tell in the story of Joseph was he glad and happy to be a prisoner in the land of Egypt. And I say all that for a reason because we'll get to it in a couple of moments, but here is Pharaoh and he has dreamed this dream. He knows that it is important. He knows that it is significant, but he has no idea what it means. So notice what it says in verse number 8. It says, And it came to pass in the morning that his, that being Pharaoh, his spirit was troubled. His spirit, his inner man was disturbed. He was bothered, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. And so here is Pharaoh. He's had this dream, or he's had these two dreams. Again, he doesn't know what they mean. The Scripture tells us in verse number 8, he's bothered by the, the content of the dream and then his lack of understanding of it. So he calls in who would naturally make sense in their day to people like him, calls in the magicians and calls in the wise men, and it, it, he says to them, this is the dream, what does it mean? And none of them could give an answer. Not one. So as all this takes place, notice in verse number 9 what is said. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. What does the butler, in essence, say to Pharaoh? He says this, Oh man, I forgot. I was supposed to say something to you a couple of years ago. You know what? My bad. I, I was supposed to have said something to you a couple of years ago about this young man. He, he says later on in the passage, he says about this young man who was a Hebrew. And, and you know, whenever you cast me in the baker into the, the dungeon, we had these dreams on one night. And, and we told these dreams to Joseph and, and he interpreted them for us. And, and, and I was supposed to say something about that to you. And so if you look in verse number 14, notice what it says. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Now, what is the time of day when Pharaoh calls Joseph? Well, from verse 8, it seems as though this is the morning hours. Now, now why is that important? Well, if you think about this, the residence of Pharaoh and the residence of Joseph, seemingly speaking, as best we can tell, they would have been nowhere near one another. Okay. Why does that matter? Well, it matters for this reason. Joseph was beginning another day just like he had begun hundreds of other days. As Joseph begins this day, this day is no different for him than any other day. He will serve who is ever in the prison. He will take care of whatever it is he is supposed to take care of. And then when all of that is done and when all of that has taken place, he'll go back and he'll do what he has always done for the last several years. He'll sit around. He'll kill time. He'll waste the day. Whatever it is he did to pass the hours away, that is what Joseph is looking at doing. But on this particular morning, things are different. Pharaoh is going to send for Joseph. 
Joseph's life is about to change in an amazing way, is it not? Notice in verse number 14, it does not just say that Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. It says, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. What does it mean for something to be done hastily? It means for it to be done with some speed. There's some hurry to this. Let me ask you something. How many of you have ever had to do something hastily? Something that you were not expecting to have to do hastily. There have been times in my life, and I'm sure in your life, you know, okay, now when we get there, we're going to have to hurry. Okay, so we're going to have to hurry, and we've got our thoughts going. We've got our thought process, you know, taking place. Okay, when we get there, we're going to have to hurry. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. got to do this. got to do this so that we can turn around and do this, 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 and this. Now, we don't like that, most of us, but if we know that we're going to be in a hurry, we're okay with that. But you know what upsets a lot of people? is when they didn't know they were in a hurry, only to find out you're now in a hurry? That doesn't settle well with most people. Because that's not where their mind was at. That's not where their thinking was at. That's not where their focus was at. That's not what their attention was on. I won't speak of anyone specifically in my family, but it's not always beneficial to try to hurry us along sometimes without ample warning. Huh. One of us used to not like spontaneity. Is that correct, Susie? I, I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Because that's not how we all function at our best. Literally, when Susie and I first got married, she said, if we're going to be spontaneous, can you give me some warning? So, well, it doesn't really work that way. All right, now, 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 now follow this, please. Here's Joseph, and what is he doing? He is going about his normal day. He is going about his normal activity in a dungeon, and all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, Hurry, Joseph, we need you at the palace. I don't know about you, but if I'm Joseph, my mind begins to go 100 different miles or 100 different directions at about 100 miles an hour. What in the world is going on? We don't know if Joseph had any kind of a heads up. We don't know if somebody said, listen, here's what's happened at the palace and, and the king needs you or the Pharaoh needs you to do this for him. We don't know. But notice what it says. It says they brought him out hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. But I envision this guy who has just thrown on some new clothes that somebody gave him, said, here, put this on, hurry up and shave. we got to go get to Pharaoh. And as they stand in the presence of Pharaoh, here is a 30-year-old young man, breathing heavy. I got here as fast as I could. What is it you need? So notice in verse number 15 it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Pharaoh just said, I've, I've had a dream, and here's what I've heard of you, and here's what your reputation is. That you can understand dreams and that you can interpret it. Now remember, Joseph's life has just completely shifted in a matter of moments, being told, get out of those clothes, hurry up and shave, we've got to get to the Pharaoh. He does that rapidly, he does that with haste, and he's standing before the king only to hear, I understand that you understand dreams and you can interpret them. Well, Joseph does have some experience with some dreams. You know, he's had a few and he's interpreted a few. 
Now think about this. If Joseph is wanting out of the dungeon he has been in, and Pharaoh says to him, I understand it's your reputation that you understand dreams and you interpret them, what do you think could be the natural inclination of a normal man like you and I? I think the natural inclination would be something like this, or at least could be something like this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good with dreams. Yeah, I've interpreted a few. Uh, yeah, I, I think I can help you. Have you ever thought something like that? Maybe not with a dream, obviously, not with the idea of understanding it and interpreting it, but, but have you ever had those moments where, where you thought, hey, I can do this. I can step up. I'm your person for this. Yes, I'm your man. Or yes, I'm your woman for this. Yes, I think I can help you. Yes, I think we can help you. Yes, I think we are exactly what you need. Isn't it amazing how quick many times our flesh wants to step up and say, I can do that? If your flesh doesn't ever do that, then you and I don't have the same kind of a flesh. Because there are many times in my life that I think things like this. I can do that. But notice this. With all the haste, with all the rush, with all the hurriedness of the moment, and standing before Pharaoh, Joseph in the back of his mind, knowing that he would love to be released, knowing that he would love nothing more than to go home, as he stands before Pharaoh, rather than saying, I'm your man, and I can do this. Notice what Joseph said in verse number 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. It is not in me. What does that mean when Joseph says to Pharaoh, it is not in me? You know what Joseph was saying to Pharaoh? I can't do it. Now you can tell me your dreams if you want, and and, you know, I, I can tell you something. But I have to be honest and tell you, Pharaoh, I don't have the ability to tell you anything. I don't have the ability to understand dreams. I don't have the ability to interpret dreams. It is not something that I can do. Notice what he says immediately after that. He says, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now, what is Joseph saying? He is saying this. Listen, I cannot help you. I personally cannot do this. But God can use me to give you an answer of peace. But Pharaoh, you've got to know, and Pharaoh, you've got to understand, it is not me who is doing this. I don't know if that impresses you or not, but it impresses me immensely because here is a 30-year-old young man who has been a captive now for over 10 years. Here is a man who wants to go home more than he wants to do anything else in his life. And when given the opportunity to promote himself and to make himself look good in front of someone like the Pharaoh, he says immediately, I can't do it. I'm limited in my abilities. But God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I don't know what all went through Joseph's mind in those moments. I don't know what all went through Joseph's heart and the emotions that he was dealing with or wrestling with. Maybe it was happening so quick he didn't really have the ability to process all of it. I don't know. 
But it seems like if Joseph was a man like you and I, there had to be a little bit of a struggle to admit, you know what, I can't do that. I know, I know it's my reputation that I can, but I can't. Now, now follow this, please. If this hasn't made sense to this point, hopefully this will help. Here is Joseph being asked to be a help and an aid and an assistant to someone else. And Joseph immediately recognizes, I can't. The only way that I can help you is if God helps me help you. I, I can't do it. Now, God can use me to help you, but I cannot do this on my own. Now, this evening, I want us to ch kind of change gears just a little bit, and hopefully I haven't butchered the thought process up in this, but I, I want us to think about this thought, and I want us to think about this idea. How many of us have a desire to be a help to people? How many of us have a desire? How many of us have a, a wantonness in us to be a help and an aid and an assistant to other people? I, I would hope that all of us have such a desire. Now, I think many of us look at our own personal lives, and here's what we see, that there are certain limitations upon us and there are certain things that we know will never happen from us, and we're okay with that. Let me give us a couple of thoughts, a couple of ideas, and maybe this will help. I have long given up the dream, and I think for appropriate reasons, of preaching before the masses. That used to be my dream, and it was a selfish dream, and it was a selfish ambition. It was my dream, and it was my hope, and it was my ambition that one day I would be standing at the pulpit of a church where thousands of people attended. And honestly, every bit of that dream and every bit of that ambition, it, it, was, it was what fed my ego. And so I have come to a realization in my life, and I mean this, and I'm not trying to, I'm not looking for anything, I, I'm just stating the facts. I have come to the realization in my life that that is not what God has for me. And I'm okay with that. Now, think about it maybe from your perspective. You may say something like this. I know I'm never going to sing in a professional group. And I'm okay with that. If you have not yet come to that conclusion, can I let you down easy and just tell you that that's probably not going to happen at this stage of life? And for me to say that you're probably not ever going to sing in a professional group, you're okay with that. You're not bothered by it. If I were to say to all of us this evening, most of us will not ever be famous. We're good with it. 
That's not our dream. That's not our ambition. That's not what we're hoping to do in our life. So there are certain things out there, and, and we know that it, 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 that's not really our lot in life, and that's not what God has for us, and we're okay with that. But yet we sit here this evening and we say, well, you know, I'd love to be a help. I'd love to be an aid. I'd love to be an assistant. I, I would love to be used in helping other people, kind of like what Joseph was to Pharaoh. I would love to be a help to someone, you know, that God allows to cross my path. Now, here's our problem. Many times we assume in our pride and our arrogance, that we are capable of being a blessing and being a help. What do I mean? I mean this. I am never going to pastor the masses or the thousands of people, best I can tell, unless we really take a growth spurt here, okay? I'm okay with that, but you know what my flesh struggles with? Well, you know how to preach a message. You get your Bible, you look through the Scripture, you give some time to meditate on it, you give some time to reflect on it, and you begin putting your thoughts together. You put all the thoughts down on paper, you look over your notes a couple of times, you get it in your heart, you get it in your mind, and you make yourself familiar with the text and all these other things, and Kyle, you can preach a message. Well, I can say some things, kind of like Joseph could have said some things that day before, as he stood before Pharaoh. But you know what I've got to remind myself of from time to time? That it is not in me. I, in myself, do not have the ability to help anyone in this church just because I know how to say some things from the pulpit. See, here's what can happen for Sunday school teachers. The same thing that happens to preachers. Well, you know, I've got my lesson plans here, and it's Sunday morning. I, I need to read over my lesson plan real quick. And, yeah, I just need to read over this and kind of get it fresh in my mind. Yes, I, I need to go over this so that I can be sure and tell the kids what to do. And, and you know, I, I'll just go to church. And, yes, it's been a busy week or a hectic week or a crazy week. But, but, but I can go to church, and I can be the Sunday school teacher, and I can teach. Doesn't mean you'll be a help or a blessing to anyone. Because see, truth be told, it's not in us. I don't have the ability to do it, and you don't have the ability to just do it. See, if God does not use us to be a help and an assistant and an aid to someone else, then you and I are not going to be a help and a blessing and an aid and an assistant to anyone else. See, you could look at someone like Brother Mike, and we could, we could say, Brother Mike, do you know how to do a bus route? And if Brother Mike didn't, you know... Think about his answer carefully. He could say something like this. I know how to do a bus route. Okay, great. But see, unless the Lord does it, it doesn't matter. It's like this. 
You're not going to sing in front of the masses in a professional group. and That's not what God's called you to, but you can stand at the piano and practice on Wednesday nights and Sundays and then you can get the words down and you can get your part down and then you can know exactly when you're supposed to come in and you can get the rhythm down and I can do this. Yes, you can. But it doesn't mean you're able to be a blessing and be a help and be an assistant. See, Susie and Lauren, they can play all the right notes on the piano, and they can step up, and, and, and they can assist us in the congregational music, and, and they can be a real help and a blessing to, to many of us, but they can only really minister the way that they say they want to minister if God is helping them. See, if we really want to help, if we really want to be an aid to someone then it has to be God who is doing it through us, not us trying to do it ourselves. And again, many times, here's what we're guilty of. We're guilty of wanting to step up, you know, kind of rear our shoulders back a little bit and say, I'm your person. I can preach that message. I can teach that Sunday school lesson. I can do that special. I can work in that ministry. I can take care of that. I can do that. And yes, we can do all these things, but if we truly want it to minister and to serve the way it's supposed to, then we better recognize immediately it is only with God's help that we can do anything of substance or value. Over the years, I've been reminded of something. That it's not always about oratory skills. I've sat through many, many sermons where people had wonderful oratory skills and got nothing out of the sermon. You've done the same thing, I'm sure. And then I've sat there and I've Listen to people and they didn't have the greatest delivery. Their dynamics weren't the most fantastic. They weren't the most spectacular in their personality or their presence in the pulpit. But it's amazing. It's like they recognized it. It's like they knew that and they were completely dependent upon God to help them to be a help to the people they were trying to minister to. And that's what made the difference. I know you know this. I'm just going to say this very quickly because I think we need to be reminded of this. It is fantastic when a person can sing all the right notes at church. But every one of us have heard people butcher songs and it ministered to us more than the person who got it all right. Because many times the people who are singing, and I don't mean just at our church, I mean all across the nation, I guess anywhere where people would sing, I mean many times the people who are singing, it's let me impress you with what I have to offer you. And oh, that person, or oh, that group, huh. If they're more dependent upon the power of God working through them, then they will be far more of a blessing than the person who thinks they can do it themselves. (laughs) 
I don't know how to say this because I want it to come across right, and I don't want somebody to feel like, well, you're leaving me out. I'm not trying to leave anyone out. We're all big kids and can handle this, can't we? You know what I love about the ladies who clean our church? They never seek any attention for it. I come in on Tuesday mornings, and you can smell the, the I don't know, the, the cleaning stuff. I can't think of the right words right now. But, but you can smell the fragrances of the products they have used to clean the buildings. And I don't even know when they come up here and do it on Mondays. I don't know if they come up here and they cackle and laugh and talk for a long time before they get busy or if they just get in here and they get it done so that they can go home. I don't know. But you know what I like about it? It just gets done. And we don't ever talk about it. We don't ever discuss it. We don't ever even hear about it. It's just like little elves or fairies come in and take care of it, and it's done. And that ministers more to me than if you had a professional crew that came in and maybe did everything right every time as opposed to some people with the right attitude and the right spirit just coming in because they just want to be a help and be a blessing. Does that make sense? See, if you and I want to be a help, we've got to be willing to admit right up front, it's not in me. I can't do this. I absolutely do not have the ability in and of myself to be the blessing that I say I want to be. Tonight, I, I understand, tonight I'm not accusing, I'm not saying anything. I, I'm just asking us to consider this question. How many times do we get tripped up on this idea that that's what I do and that's how I do it and that's my ministry and that's how I help out and that's how I'm a blessing? And how many times does it revolve around me, 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 and my ability? Because, see, here's, here's what I think happens. I think sometimes when it comes to the, the ministry and serving and trying to help and be a blessing, I think we don't like to admit that we have limitations, that we have inabilities, that we're incapable. It kind of hurts our pride to have to admit, yeah, I don't have all the answers. Do we realize how much more of a blessing we could be? If we're in that mindset, do we realize how much more of a blessing we could be if we just said, you know what? It's not in me. And the only way that I can be a blessing to this church, the only way that I can be a blessing to anyone in this life, is if God enables me to be the help that I want to be. Is it all about you? Is it all about me? Or is it all about us remembering Without God, I can't do any of this. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. Lord, I do pray that you'd help us to take just a moment and reflect on our inabilities. 
Lord, it's hard on our flesh. It's hard on our pride. I don't like to be reminded of my inabilities and my shortcomings. I, I don't like that. It's, it's just hard on our pride. And Lord, it doesn't matter if it's a Sunday school teacher, if it's a nursery worker, if it's someone else in a different ministry. God, we don't sometimes like to be reminded that without you helping us, we're really not that much of a blessing to anyone else around us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight and in the days and weeks and months to come to be reminded of the very simple truth that unless you speak through us, unless you work through us, unless you do it, then we have nothing to offer anyone around us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, if you need to pray, take the time to do so. Mm -hmm. 